Morning, church. Good morning. You may be seated. Happy 4th of July. Uh, it, it is 4th of July weekend, and it is also the 4th of July currently. So uh, happy 4th to all of you out there. We're just going to go ahead and jump right in this morning. So if you'll go ahead and just open up your Bibles or click on Luke chapter 11. We're going to be continuing our study of Jesus' teaching on prayer. This is our third week in chapter 11, and this is actually probably one of my favorite portions of this passage, my favorite part of this teaching. I am looking forward uh, to sharing with you and talking with you this morning about it. Of all of God's promises, this is often one that we overlook, and it's one of the most important ones in our prayer life. So uh, it is so important to how God works in our lives and how God transforms our lives and works on our hearts and reveals His will to us. And allows us to experience some of his other promises. His promises of eternal life. And through uh, the Holy Spirit we can experience that promise now. We don't have to wait till we're dead to experience uh, the eternal joy and the endless love and the everlasting peace of knowing Jesus. But because of the Holy Spirit we can experience that now. And so much of that experience, so much of that relationship is worked out or gained through our prayers. So let's just jump right in this morning to Jesus' conclusion on his teaching of prayer. We're going to just build right upon the parable that Pastor Tim taught on last week. Um, So Jesus continued, and this is uh, in verse 9. I'm going to start. Jesus tells the parable that, that Pastor Tim taught on, and then Jesus says this, And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Now as we read that passage, we actually, in the original Greek, the verbs ask and seek and knock, they're what we would call present imperatives. And the present means that is something that we are doing right now. It's in the present. It's, it's actively happening. And the imperative means it's a command. So it's not just a suggestion. This is a command of Things that we should be doing right now. So when we look at this verse, it is something that should be a way of life for us. It should be incorporated in our life all the time. And so when we look at that, this verse would read something like, Keep on asking, and it will be given to you. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking. And just as we saw last week, this is that man who would not stop knocking. He just keeps knocking and knocking and knocking. But as we continue to read that verse, then it comes to the scary part of this verse. And that is, the door will be open to you. So as we are sitting there knocking, the door actually opens. And if we are truly seeking God's heart in prayer, not just going through some spiritual ritual or just something that we do before we eat as part of the meal, but if we are seeking the power of God to influence us and to change our lives, if we are truly believing in God and we are praying and expecting God to answer our, our prayers and we're speaking to the God of all creation, we know that He hears our prayers and that He will open the doors, that He will answer our prayers, not because our hands are bruised from our repeating pounding on the door, but as Tim mentioned last week, it is because of His character that that door will open. It is because the work of Jesus on the cross that our prayers will be answered and that door will be opened. Unfortunately, sometimes this 
promise of that door opening is the same thing that gives us hesitancy in praying. It makes us stop and pause for a minute. We don't think our, if, if we don't think our prayers are going to be answered, it's really easy just to throw something out there, just to have a careless prayer and just pray for anything with little thought. The truth is, if we don't believe that God is answering our prayers, praying is easy. It's just a careless thing we just throw out there. And I remember when I was serving in Iraq halfway through the deployment, I was transferred to another unit. A staff officer had gone home. I was the senior, sta- uh, senior officer at that time to replace him, so I ended up going to a new unit. Let's just say that the unit that I had come from didn't put a lot of stock in what junior officers had to say. And so I go to this new unit. I'd been there two days. The second day I was there, our position gets mortared. Our commanding officer brings in all the leaders and says, hey, what are we going to do? And he looks to me and says, hey, Neil, um, what do you think happened? What do you think we should do? Well, he's not going to listen to me anyway, so it doesn't matter what I say. So I just go ahead and I just throw something out there, just give a response. And I remember the commanding officer looks over at the operations officer and says, hey, develop a plan off of what he just said. And I looked like, what, what I just said? And everybody kind of left. And the first thing I did is I ran over to the operations officer. I'm like, wait, 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 don't do that. <laughs> right? Let me look at some of the more uh, current information before you develop this plan. When I didn't think anybody was going to respond to what I said, it was real easy to give an answer. It was real easy just to throw something out there. But there is a huge, huge difference in our attitudes, our actions, in our words, if we expect or if we know that somebody is going to respond to what we say or to what we ask. And how much greater pressure is it when it is God that is listening, when it is God that is hearing your prayers, when it is God who will open the door? Do you run up and just kick the door in because you want an answer right now and you want to see God and God is uh, not working on your timeline? Or do you just ring the doorbell and wait patiently? Maybe you just knock gently because you don't want to bother God with your petty little prayers. You're like, oh, uh, there's there's nothing I have to say that's that important, so I'm just going to knock quietly. Or maybe you just stand there and fake knock. Right? You're just going to stand there because if you're really honest, you don't want him to answer anyway. You're, You're saying, I don't have anything worthwhile to say to God, so I will just stand here and act like I'm knocking. And it is very strange that sometimes our expectancy that God will open the door is the very thing that causes us to be less persistent in our prayer life. And I've noticed that that is very true in my own prayer life. Sometimes when I'm going through a really tough trial, the very first thing I do is I stop and I ask God to to make this end, make this trial end, take away this problem, whatever it may be. And then James pops into my head and it says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete and lacking in nothing. And I start to wrestle with that. And I start, well, if this trial is helping me to be more like you, if it's helping the sanctification process, if it's helping me to reflect you to be perfect and complete and lacking nothing, well, maybe I don't want this trial to end. Maybe I want to just stay here because ultimately my desire is to be more like you. So how do I pray at this point? Or sometimes when I'm faced with a life decision, a new career, a new job, relocate the family, an awesome ministry opportunity, a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, whatever the case may be, and I start wrestling with myself, is this by God and for God? 
Does it not have an impact at all in my relationship with God? Is it just an opportunity that God has provided in His grace that He's given me maybe many opportunities that are all equal in honoring God? Or are they distractions from what God called me to? And too often, I I don't know. And so I go before God in prayer and just say, God, I don't know what to say. How do I pray in this situation? Well, what about when I'm praying for the healing of someone, for a family member and somebody that I love and I know that this person knows Jesus and my prayers are torn between selfish prayers of wanting them to stay here and spend more time with me and them going home and being perfectly healed and standing in the presence of Jesus. And my prayers come so convoluted as I try to work out my heart and my words to the Father. How do I pray for those things? Or sometimes when I'm just faced with the guilt and shame of my actions. Maybe the, even the shame of my past selfish prayers that maybe I just got done praying. When I don't feel worthy to stand before the Father, much less to pound on the door over and over and over and over again until He answers. I have screwed this up way too many times. And that who am I to bang on the door until he answers? What do, why do I deserve that? When the only thing I really deserve from the other side of that door is a loud shout telling me to go away. Right? When my heart is this heavy, how do I pray? And these are common things that I fr- face when I pray, and I face them all too often. When I go and pray and I find myself asking How do I pray? How am I supposed to pray? God, what am I supposed to say in this moment? Do you ever find yourself there? Do you ever find yourself just in the uncertainty of what to do or what to say before the Father? Well, the good news is Jesus knows what we need. And as he concludes his teaching on prayer, I am sure his disciples were feeling much the same way. Jesus has taught them how to pray the Lord's Prayer, the disciples' prayer. He said, hey, just keep doing it. Just be persistent. And can you imagine them having that simple explanation? And Jesus saying, okay, that's it. And they had watched him pray, and they had watched him in relationship with the Father. Remember, this whole conversation started by them asking Jesus, Jesus, teach us how to pray. Teach us how to pray. And Jesus gives them, oh, the, the disciples' prayer, it's really easy, and just keep doing it. That could be a little frustrating. I remember when I first started preaching, I, I asked a mentor of mine, I said, how do you prepare for your sermons? And he said, oh, I just pray and then do what the Lord says. That's not helpful, right? The longer I preach, the, the more I see the wisdom in that. But there was a, 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 that wasn't what I was expecting. I wanted a 10-point lesson on how to do that. And here, Jesus gives them the practical application. I want you to listen to how Jesus ends this lesson on prayer. And I want you to be encouraged by the promise that he makes. We'll start in verse 11. And Jesus continues, What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? And I want you guys just to look at this. Jesus closes His instruction on prayer the same way that He began it. By reminding us that God is our Father. If you look at the disciples' prayer, Jesus said this, When you pray, say, Father. 
And now he closes his lesson on prayer with an illustration of the Father. And sometimes we get stuck in these last two verses talking about all the material blessings and we overlook the powerful and the anointing and the guidance of the Holy Spirit that the God promises us, that God promises us for our prayers. This is the best gift for our prayers, himself. The climax of this entire teaching is the promised gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit who came upon the, the Jesus' disciples just as God had promised through the prophet Ezekiel. Ezekiel 36, we see this promise. and It says, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. I will put within you and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. The Holy Spirit is the best gift ever. And if we talk about the gift that just keeps on giving, it's the Holy Spirit. The moment that you put your faith in Jesus, you receive the Holy Spirit. And then through seeking God and submitting to the Holy Spirit in our life, the Holy Spirit starts to manifest itself more and more and more in our lives. In all aspects of our lives to include our prayer life. When we don't know how to pray, when we don't know what to pray, The Holy Spirit knows exactly what to pray. What a precious gift we have when we are filled with the Spirit as we walk in submission to the Lord. We walk in submission to the Spirit. John MacArthur, he wrote this. He said, although every Christian is indwelt, baptized, and sealed by the Spirit, unless he is also filled with the Spirit... And what he means by that is constantly submitting to the Spirit in our lives. He's not talking about an extra portion of of spirituality. He's not talking about an exalted level of religion. It is talking about submission to the Spirit. Unless he is also filled with the Spirit, he will live in spiritual weakness, retardation, frustration, and defeat. And it is those very things, it is spiritual weakness, it is our sin, it is our flesh that hinder and distort our prayer life. It is those things that lead us to a place of doubt, a place of uncertainty, and a place of confusion whenever we go before the Father in prayer. But Jesus says, don't worry. Don't worry about all that. Your Father will give you. Your Father, those that He calls sons and daughters, your Father will give you the perfect gift. He will give you the Holy Spirit, and He will help you in your prayers. And let's look at a few things that the Holy Spirit provides us in our prayers this morning. The first thing I want to look at is that the Holy Spirit provides us wisdom in our prayers. When we come before God in prayer, we are at a loss for words or what to say, but it's for the Holy Spirit that gives us wisdom, that gives us knowledge and gives us the words to speak. Even after spending three weeks We've been three weeks talking about prayer, and I know that some of you, and I know that I do, still struggle when I go to pray. Sometimes I'm still at a loss for words. I become just a bumbling idiot as I go to speak to the Heavenly Father. It's not a whole lot different than when you're trying to place your family order at a drive-thru. And as we sit in line and I tell the kids, they, they tell me what they want. There's only three of them. It's not that hard. And they all want the same thing every time anyway. And so I sit there and I practice and I rehearse and I rehearse and I rehearse. And then as soon as I pull up to the little radio thing and they say, hey, sir, how can I help you? I just go blank. I have no idea what my kids want. It becomes very confusing. I just crumble underneath the pressure. It's 
not that much different than when I go to pray. There's a lot of things. I'm like, oh, I need to pray for this. I need to pray for this. And I sit down to pray completely blank. God is sitting there saying, hey, good morning, Kendrick. What do you got on your prayer list today? And I'm like, I don't know. Just crumble. It's just blank. But God promised that the Holy Spirit, for those who asked, he will give us the Holy Spirit. In the Gospel of John, Jesus said this, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all the things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Right, if you remember nothing else this morning, if you remember nothing else, just remember this promise that God, the Father, the Heavenly Father, will give you the Holy Spirit if you ask. If you remember nothing else, if you ask for the Holy Spirit, He will give it to you. And this is key in our prayer life. If you remember a couple weeks ago, we looked at the importance of knowing God before we came to Him in prayer. And as we come to Him in prayer. We talked about that sometimes our prayers are simply limited by our knowledge of who God is. We talked about this in the disciples' prayer when we said, hallowed be your name. This is all of his names, the righteous one, the holy one, the one true God, the the creator. And it is knowing him and growing in relationship with him that makes our prayers more effective. And Paul prays that his brothers and sisters in Ephesus would grow in knowledge of God, and this comes through the Holy Spirit. Paul writes this in his letter. He says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him. We are all familiar that true wisdom comes from knowing God. That the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. God is foundational to all true wisdom. Knowing who God is. All of their types of Learning are worthless unless they're built upon the knowledge of knowing the Lord Himself. It is though the Holy Spirit is through the Holy Spirit that we gain the wisdom and the knowledge of who Jesus is, that we get to experience God in a deeper level because of the Holy Spirit. And when we come before God in prayer, we are at a loss for what to pray. Just pray to know Him more. Just pray for the Holy Spirit to reveal more of Him to you. Wisdom is found in knowing God, and the Holy Spirit is what leads us to a knowledge of Him. So when we pray for the Holy Spirit to lead us to a greater knowledge of God, our prayers will be more wise. There will be wisdom in our prayers as we seek the knowledge and the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. And the second thing is that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us in our prayers. When we don't know what to pray for, when we are clueless what to pray for, the Holy Spirit knows exactly how to pray for you. Not knowing what to pray for ourselves is so common in the church world that there's actually a church code, there's church lingo that is our way of saying, I don't know how to pray for myself. When somebody asks you, how can I pray for you? The response to, for, instead of saying, I don't know and looking foolish, you just say, oh, I have some unspoken prayer request." I have an unspoken prayer request, and some of you are offended because you use it all the time, but there are very general ways to say how somebody can pray for you besides saying, I have an unspoken prayer request. When I taught young adults, we actually started numbering our unspoken prayer requests as if that made us more holy or made us have a deeper relationship with God. We would sit around our group, and we would actually go to our prayer time, and the first prayer would be something like, John prays for new tires for his truck. And then it would be, Mike has three unspoken prayer requests, and Brian has five unspoken prayer requests, and we're going to pray for seven unspoken prayer requests from Chris. And that would be our prayer time. 
and I joke about this, but really there are some times when we really have no idea what to pray for. When we go before God and our hearts are just blank, our minds are just blank, and maybe we don't even know how to pray. Maybe, maybe there's a job promotion, we're like, do I pray for this promotion? Or maybe there's a, a job for our child, and we're like, do I pray that he gets this job, or is there a better job, or how do I pray for this, or what do I pray for this? Do we pray for our finances so we could get this house or get what we want because we have a whole bunch of reasons on why that thing would help us do ministry for the Lord? And as we sit and think about it, we also have just as much reasons on why that thing would get in the way of ministry for the Lord. And we don't know what to pray for. We're just caught in some limbo of how to pray, and it's in this weakness and this confusion that we can trust that the Holy Spirit will pray for us. Scripture tells us in Romans, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. He prays for us according to the will of God. And we do not know what we ought to pray for. The Spirit does. The Spirit helps us in our vulnerability and He prays for us that God's will, that God's perfect will will be done in our lives. This is ultimately the best prayer we could have. This is the best prayer that we could have in our lives and the Holy Spirit never says unspoken, but instead prays specific, detailed prayers specifically in line with God's will for your life. When we aren't sure what to pray for, we can trust God's promise and trust that the Holy Spirit does. So, so far as we looked at this, we know that the Holy Spirit gives us wisdom to our prayers, and we also know that the Holy Spirit prays for us when we don't know what to pray for. And third, the Holy Spirit provides us comfort in our prayers. Growing up the youngest of three boys, I learned pretty quickly that I can't turn to my brothers for comfort. Right? As a younger brother, uh, weakness and discomfort, um, pain, you share that with your brothers, that is just like blood in the water. Right? The sharks frenzy and they each take a bite and I see some girls over there, so I guess it's the same with sisters. Right? There's just blood in the water and everybody piles up. Right? So when I was at home, everything was fine. Right? Every, you got any problems? Nope, everything is good. And as we've grown up in life, we've just continued to have this shell around us. Right? We're not sure what people's response are. We're not sure if we might get hurt more. So we just continue, hey, everything is fine. And I'll just deal with it myself. I'll just take care of it myself. Well, here's the good news. You don't have to. Right? You don't just have to deal with it when you have the Holy Spirit. Jesus said that the Father would send you the Holy Spirit to help you, to comfort you, to strengthen you. Jesus said this, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. And in this passage, the Greek word that is translated helper can also mean intercessor. That's good, because if we just go back to point one, we just talked about him. Oh, I'm sorry, if we go back to the last point where he prays for us, that is, we are the, he is the intercessor for us. It also can be used to be translated counselor. And if we go back to the first one about getting wisdom, that is good because we have just talked about that in the first point. But it can also be translated to mean comforter or strengthener. And that is how it is often translated in this text. 
that the Spirit comforts our souls, that He consoles our hearts, that He calms our minds. When we feel that all hope is lost in our prayers, the Holy Spirit comes and comforts us. It bears our sorrows with us and it helps to restore hope in our life. When life happens and we are driven to God in prayer, oftentimes because we think we've tried everything else, we are left hopeless because life hits us. We have a moral failure. We have a death of a loved one. We have an unexpected health concern, an imprisonment, an abandonment, and loneliness, bankruptcy, divorce, or any other tragedy that pops up or disaster that comes into our life. When we are so tempted to just put a shell around us and say, I'm fine, the Spirit is there to be our comforter. We will find the Holy Spirit there with us. It is something that comes with us forever, and He will be comforting us and strengthening us and providing us hope as He draws us closer into the presence of the Father in prayer. He is our comforter. So as we transition to this last point, this is probably the most important point to remember, is that the Holy Spirit provides freedom in our prayers. In 2 Corinthians, Paul writes this, Now the the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And many people sit and say, freedom of what? Freedom from what? And it is very clear in this passage that this is freedom from condemnation, from guilt, from shame, from sin, from death, from the controlling power of sin. Sin imprisons us into a, a cage of just guilt and shame and fear. But when we live and walk with the Spirit, when we submit to the Spirit, we are freed from all of that, from all of that sin. And the Holy Spirit removes the chains of guilt and shame from our past and from our present. Sins from all of our lives. And with that freedom, we can run to the Father. We can stay in His arms. We can be with our Father. And this is the freedom found in Jesus and provided by the Holy Spirit that gives us access to the loving presence of our Heavenly Father. No matter what we have done in the past, we can be assured that when we knock, we are not going to be told to go away. No matter what we have done, no matter who we were in the past, but as children of God, we are assured that that door will be opened. Church, because of the gift of the Holy Spirit, there is no reason to be anxious about our prayers. When we aren't sure what to say and we don't know how to pray, He has given us the gift of the Spirit if we just ask. And the Holy Spirit knows exactly what to say and how to pray with you and how to pray for you. And as you stand and knock, you need to know you are not seen as some solicitor, some annoyance to the Heavenly Father. He sees you as His child. You are a child of God and you can know that that door will be opened. Not because you knocked just the right way, not because you knocked hard enough or soft enough or fast enough, not even really because you knocked enough. It was open because of the free gift of the Holy Spirit that is with you. And when we don't know what to say, we don't know how to pray, we can trust the gift of the Holy Spirit when we pray and we know that that door will be open. And so just for a minute with me, just humor me for a minute, just think for this, think about this. Imagine the effects of our prayers. Not just one of us, or not just your family, but of all of our prayers together. All, all of, not just this church, but all of the church, the whole entire bride of Christ. 
If instead of being constrained by our own insecurities and our finite knowledge and our complete weakness, we all relied on the wisdom and the power of the Holy Spirit in our prayers. How much more time would you spend in prayer? If this wasn't a time of stress and anxiety, but this was a time of comfort and a time of peace, and you were relying on the Spirit, how much more time would you spend in prayer? How much more would you pray for? How much, when you think about the power that God could do, how would that change your prayers when He was listening? How much more would your life be changed? based on your prayers? How much more would this church be blessed? How much more would our city be restored? How much more would our country be healed? How much more would our world be transformed if we all relied on the power of the Spirit in our prayers? If we all prayed with the promised gift of the Holy Spirit, how would things be different in our lives? Do this for me just this week. Let's do it just this week. For this week, right, just please Pray in the power of the Spirit. And here's the good news. If you don't like it, right, if you would prefer praying some timid, weak, powerless prayers filled with uncertainty, then you can always go back to that next week. Right? You could always have your weak prayers on your own time. But this week, let's just pray and trust in the faith uh, and the power of the Holy Spirit. And just as a church, let's rely on that power. And we have to remember this, that the Lord gives his Holy Spirit to all who ask. So we just start there. We'll just start there and we'll just be asking for the Holy Spirit to be behind our prayers, to fill us as we pray. We will ask, we will ask, we will ask. And when we don't know what to pray for, guess what? We will ask for the gift of the Holy Spirit to help us in our prayers this week. That is a promise and a commitment that this church is making right now. I'm making that for you, that when you pray, you will ask the Holy Spirit for his power and his wisdom and his knowledge. And this week as a church, we will pray in the power of the Holy Spirit together. Dear Heavenly Father, we just, uh, we ask for the Holy Spirit, right? We ask for the Spirit to fill us and we ask for the Spirit to fill our prayers. And Lord, we would just pray that the Holy Spirit would just overpower any anxiety, any uncertainty, any uh, concerns that we have in our prayers and that we would just come before you as broken and humble people relying on the Spirit to lead our prayers, to pray for us, to give us wisdom, to give us power. That we will rely on the knocking, we will continue to knock and seek and ask knowing that that door will be opened. And it will not be a thing of terror. It will not be a thing where we question our prayers. But because we have trusted in the Holy Spirit, we know that our prayers will be in line with your will. Lord, we love you. We thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit, Lord. And we will continue to ask for the Spirit to be in our prayers this week. Lord, we love you and we thank you. And it's in your Son's precious, holy, gracious name of Jesus that we ask all of these things. Amen.